New life. The West is where the sun goes to die. Hey, everyone. I'm glad you're listening to the House of Mercy podcast. It's, uh, you know, it's not the best way to meet, but I'm glad you're out there. Yeah, I mean, we're so glad that you're here. And uh, I, uh, where, where in the world is uh, Reverend Debbie Blue today? Today I am driving through Central Florida on my way to the airport in Orlando. Oh, all right, all right. Um, well, that's 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 good. Uh, so you're coming home. I hey, am coming home. Coming home, and you'll be here in time uh, for for uh, Good Friday and Easter. Of course. And, yeah. And snow, I hear. What? Yeah, I think it's supposed to snow this week. Oh. All right. Well, probably the last. I don't know. Whatever. What are you going to do? We live in Minnesota. Yeah. It's a beautiful state. Yeah. Oh, hey, but so uh, coming back, um, you're going to be here next week on for Palm Sunday or Passion Sunday, however you want to slice it. Slices both ways. Um, We will be doing our regular Sunday service podcast, but also we're going to have a Zoom gathering like we had before. just uh, it's kind of a, a quasi service we've called it before. So we're also going to have a quasi service at five o'clock next Sunday, Palm slash Passion Sunday. Um, so the last one was a lot of fun. It's good to see people. Yeah, I'm excited to actually be there. Yeah, it's going to be. It's you good. know, whatever being there means. I don't know. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's deep. Um, all right. <laughs> um, okay, and then tell us about Sunday, Sunday, uh, Easter Sunday. I mean, well, of course, Good Friday is going to be fantastic. We're going to do uh, an audio stations of the cross. We've asked fourteen writers to reflect um, uh, for uh, it's like a paragraph on each of the fourteen stations of the cross. And uh, we did this first last year out of desperation because uh, the lockdown had just happened, and uh, really it was a fantastic service. Um, so yeah, we're going to do it again. So look forward to that. And then on Easter Sunday, we're going to meet in person. That's right. Outside in person, COVID safe. So we're really looking forward to that. Um, yeah, we're going to have a good music, Dan Newton's accordion orchestra. Yeah, it's going to be, oh, it's just going to be great. Resurrection. Res- it will be. So we're waiting so long to proclaim this resurrection because, uh, I mean, we're in the fifth Sunday of Lent here, and uh, we're coming. We're supposed to be contemplating uh, the death of Jesus and reflecting on our own sin and repentance. Um, but it feels like we've been in Lent for like over a year. You know, I just don't want to keep focusing on the darkness. You know, a lot of focus focusing on the darkness and death. Yes, absolutely. Like very much mortality. Mortality has been at our door, uh, but uh, but it won't be long until the proclamation of the resurrection or the feast of the revolution, as we call it at House of Mercy. 
can't wait. This is the House of Mercy, and welcome to it. Please join me in the prayer of invocation. God of mercy, whether we're hating this life or loving it at the moment, or more likely somewhere in between, gather us together somehow in some sort of corporate love, even though we're in separate physical spaces. Increase the depth of our knowledge that we are not in this alone. And may this community rise or fall to mercy in the confidence that you are among us, seen or unseen. Amen. The peace of Christ be with you. petition with God and your mercy, and I invite you to respond. Hear our prayer. God of mercy, if there has to be a certain amount of pain in the world, which I doubt is the way it works, but it's certainly a mystery. We pray that it might be distributed more evenly, that the rich and the comfortable and the charismatic and the powerful don't always get a pass while the poor in money and spirit and health suffer one thing after the other. Give grace and comfort and ease 
and good and beautiful gifts to those who need it most across the world. In Myanmar, Minneapolis, in Atlanta, in our neighborhoods, in our families, we pray for the alleviation of suffering. We pray for justice. God, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We lament the deaths of the eight women in the Asian American community in Atlanta, these lives that were brutally taken away. Comfort their families. We pray again for an end to racism. We pray again for an end to misogyny. We pray that you will provide a shelter from fear and an end to violence. God, in your mercy, hear our prayer. God of mercy, given all we have to help us communicate, mouths and ears and eyes, words and music, you'd think it might be a little easier. But we misunderstand each other all the time. What drives a person and hurts them, what they need to feel okay about themselves and be free to love. Help us hear and listen and understand each other. Help us tell the truth, even when it's vulnerable. Help us learn to communicate one way or another. God, in your mercy, hear our prayer. God, in mercy, help us curtail our animosity and loathing. Though there is plenty to be critical of in humanity, Give us the will to surround our judgment in mercy. Free us from the compulsion to scapegoat. Help us recognize it's not good for our hearts, our lives, or the life of the world. God, in your mercy, hear our prayer. God of mercy, help us if we're tired or hungry or lost and confused. Give us strength if that is what we need, or peace with our weakness if that is what we need. If we can be healed, help to heal us. Help us in our grief, in our loneliness, in our sickness and health. Help us trust in the process of death and resurrection. God, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We have not even known what it means to love you with our whole hearts. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. As we pause for silence now, hear our confessions. You entirely forgive us all of our sin. You surround us in mercy. Thank you. Amen. Tonight's scripture reading is from John 12, 20 through 36. Now some Greeks were among those who went up to worship at the festival. So they came to Philip, who was from Galilee, and requested of him, Sir, we want to see Jesus. 
Philip went and told Andrew. Then Andrew and Philip went and told Jesus. Jesus replied to them, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. I assure you, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains by itself. But if it dies, it produces a large crop. The one who loves his life will lose it, and the one who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. Where I am, there my servant also will be. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Now my soul is troubled. What should I say, Father? Save me from this hour? But that is why I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. The crowd standing there heard it and said it was thunder. Others said that it was an angel who had spoken to him. Jesus responded, This voice came not for me, but for you. Now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world will be cast out. As for me, I, if I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all people to myself. He said this to signify what kind of death he was about to die. Then the crowd replied to him, We have heard from the scripture that the Messiah will remain forever. So how can you say the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is this Son of Man? Jesus answered, The light will be with you only a little longer. Walk while you have the light, so that darkness doesn't overtake you. The one who walks in darkness doesn't know where he's going. While you have the light, believe in the light, so that, may become, so that you may become sons of light. Jesus said this, then went away and hid from them. The Word of the Lord. Does it seem darker to you? Like, darker than it usually is at night? It feels so much darker. Like I'm breathing in the darkness and it coats my teeth and my tongue and my throat. It gets thicker with every breath, filling my lungs, thickening darkness, making it a little harder to breathe. I take a few experimental breaths to see if it's harder to breathe. It's hard to tell if it's harder to breathe, but it feels harder to breathe. Does it feel harder to breathe, I ask him? But I don't really ask him. I've been talking to him as we walk, but talking to him in my head, not saying anything out loud. We haven't said a word out loud since we left that back there. And I don't know how, how far it was or how long it's going to take us to get back. First we ran, me and my brother Mike, we ran fast, panic fast, right through the dark woods from that place, not even thinking about the path. When it happened, when we saw what, what would happen, we didn't say a thing, didn't even look at each other until we reached the road. Till we reached the road. When we reached the road, we felt the scratches and cuts on our faces and arms and looked at the scrapes on our shins and looked at each other's wounds and clothes torn from the branches and trips on the rocks and fallen trees. And we looked into each other's eyes, asking with our eyes, what, what, what was that? Mike turned his head and looked down the road back toward the state park 
where our family was camping, where we were supposed to be asleep in our tent. I followed his eyes down the road and we started walking, walking in the dark. No houses or barns or street lights, just a long dark road through a seemingly endless snarled woods. Walking seemed for hours. Does it seem darker to you? Like darker than it usually is at night? I wanted to know, but it seemed impossible to say anything out loud. It feels darker. It feels harder to breathe. Does it feel harder to breathe? I want to know if he feels it too. If he thinks so too. It seems impossible though to say anything out loud, to talk, to speak out loud to each other. Because then we would have to talk about everything, about what happened, about what we saw. Now we're not even talking with our eyes. We're not even looking at each other. We're looking mostly at the asphalt on the road, maybe 12 but not 16 feet in front of us. It's so dark that to look farther beyond that would be pointless. And while like looking for something that we don't want to know is there, better to come up on it without knowing or hope that it keeps pace ahead of us or isn't there. We don't dare look behind us. We just use the darkness behind us as motivation for moving forward. I don't know how far it is or how long it'll take us to get back to the campground. I have no sense of how long we've been walking. We got a ride to the place with these three kids we met fishing who lived in White River about 40 miles away, they said. They were a year or two older than us, maybe 16 or 17. They told us about the place, and it seemed like a dare or like a thing that once you heard about it, you didn't have a choice. You had to go. We told them we wanted to go, and they said it's a long way, but they'd give us a ride. We said we didn't know how our mom and dad would let us go, and they said we'd wait till... They'd wait till our parents went to bed. And Mike said, no, you don't have to wait. They said they didn't mind. And I said, I don't know if we should sneak off without telling mom and dad. And Mike looked at me, calling me a wuss with his eyes before the three kids had a chance to say it out loud. No, I, I just mean... We don't have to wait till they go to bed. We'll tell them we're going to a campfire with some kids we met on the other side of the campground. We had our own tent, me and Mike, so our mom and dad wouldn't know what time we got home. We met them at the entrance of the campground and climbed into the bed of their pickup truck. They all rode in front. I was sitting on the wheel well, but Mike told me to sit down with my back against the cab. We drove for a long time, trying to whisper to each other over the wind. Do you think it's really true what they said about this place? 
the wind stealing most of my voice. We'll see, Mike said. The truck pulled over, and the driver pointed to a wide path going into the woods. You're not coming with us, I asked. Gotta get home, he said, and hit the outside of the truck door twice as a goodbye. And they drove away. Now we're not even talking with our eyes. We're not even looking at each other. We're looking mostly at the asphalt of the road, maybe 12 but not 16 feet in front of us. Sometimes I feel Mike looking at me. I don't turn. Sometimes I turn and look at him, the side of his face, as he stares into the middle distance as he walks. I can see a red welt on his forehead from a low branch he hit while running in the woods. I heard him cry out, but I didn't stop. I wasn't thinking or sure of what happened, but I heard him scramble and he was running again. I kept running until we reached the road. I don't know how far it was or how long it would take to get back. We were just walking. Walking, it seemed, for hours. I heard something in the woods. Something in the woods alongside the road. I didn't just think I heard something. It was too distinct. I knew something was moving through the woods beside the road. Beside the road in the woods. It was on Mike's side of the road. Moving through the woods parallel or a little ahead of us. And then I heard it on my side of the road, too. I didn't look. Didn't take my eyes off the middle distance. I'm sure that Mike didn't look either. But we both picked up the pace. Rustling, the rustling in the woods, it seemed to fall back a little, but not go away. How far had that truck driven us? We should have asked them how far it was. We should have asked them more questions, a lot more questions before we went there. When we got there and we saw it happened so fast before we could turn away or think to do anything, but when it happened and we saw it happen, we ran instantly, ran, panic ran until we reached the road. I was tired from walking, from the adrenaline, from clenching all my muscles as I moved through the dark. The sound, the rustling in the woods on either side of the road was louder. I wanted to say bigger and catching back up to us. I was about to break into a run, and I'm sure Mike was too, but something made me stop. I turned and looked behind us, and I grabbed Mike's shoulders to stop him, to turn him. Look, I said out loud, the sun. The sun is coming up behind us. Walking all night in the dead darkness, looking ahead, hoping for a sliver of sunrise, but not looking too deep into the darkness in front of you, afraid of what's really there. But when you're walking west, the light comes from behind you. The new day starts behind you. It follows you until it catches up and then gets in front of you and leads you into the end of the day.
This is God's table and all are welcome. On the night that he died, Jesus took bread and gave thanks for it and broke it. And he gave it to the disciples to eat, saying, Take, eat. This is my body, broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And after supper, Jesus took the cup and gave the cup for all to drink, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, shed for you and shed for all people for the forgiveness of sin. Do this and remember me.